You guys, hi, I'm Charlie Bleeker. And I'm Sam Bleeker. And this is Bleeker Bombs, a podcast where we talk about all our struggles, marital, parental, financial, and personal. Let's do this. Holy moly, we're back after a seven-week hiatus. Last time we recorded a podcast, I was pregnant, and now we have a seven-week-old daughter named Layla. That is her pseudonym, not her real name. And um, I'm just, like, bursting because I'm so excited to do this. Finally, it's been too long. Before we get into stuff, I just really quickly, because we're like in the thick of it right now with a newborn and something a lot of people told us before we had her was like, oh, well, when you go from zero to one, that's the hardest. And then after that, like one to two isn't as bad. So now that we are, you know, in this phase with two kids, how do you feel about the transition? Well, first, Charlie Bleeker, it is good to see you, and it is fun <laughs> to see you glowing, because we've, as you said, we've been in the thick of it, and I haven't seen you smile like this, um, and so it's, it's fun to see you kind of um, doing something that's really serving you and your soul. Thank you. Um, sorry, what was the question? How do you feel about the transition from one to two kids? I think it's really hard, but... Personally, I don't think it's anywhere near as hard as, for us as zero to one. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? I agree. I think it's very different. So with zero to one, just had no idea what we were doing. And now with one to two, I'm much more comfortable as a parent and like knowing like what we need to do. But it's just so chaotic. So like, um, you know, on the, the schedule with her, with her feeding schedule, which is every two and a half to three hours... And it takes like almost an hour to feed her each time. So it's just like constant. And then in between, it's like, oh, what are we doing? What am I doing with him? Something some of the dads in the neighborhood were saying was like that one to two was harder for them. But I think that's because those dads (laughs) didn't really, weren't as involved with the first kid. And then with the second kid, they don't have a choice because mom's with the infant and then dad has to be with the other kid. And so I thought maybe you could speak to that, how you've been with George so much and I've been with Layla so much. Yeah, that's a good point. And maybe why I think one to two has been easier for me. I don't feel comfortable or capable handling an infant. (laughs) It like does not come naturally at all. She doesn't, um, respond to me per se we've had um our moments in the past couple of weeks and she's been like a wonderful pleasant baby but then still like she'll just be screaming her head off while you're on a call or something and then you'll come in and she's like totally fine i'm like really but maybe the reason the transition is easier for me is because you have been taking 80 percent of the burden with her and i've been focusing on george and he's almost 19 months. He's 18 and a half months. And um, this age is a little easier for me. I can, I'm starting to be able to read his cues, like um, what he wants. He's able to communicate a whole lot more. And he's just a whole lot more comfortable with me. So it's kind of been fun spending this time with him um, instead of like trying to navigate this infant that can't communicate and just cries based on like what she needs (laughs) but also doesn't feel comfortable with me right yeah absolutely so we are exhausted but we're starting to get into the uh the swing of things um and we're going to get into the fact that george is in daycare now which is also helpful but before we get to that i just wanted to say why we're here 
obviously like I'm super excited about doing the podcast and I've been missing it a lot. And you've even suggested a few times over the course of these past few weeks, like, why don't we record? And I'm like, we can't possibly record because I have to plan what we're going to talk about. And then we have to actually record it. And then I have to edit it. And it's like, there's all these other things that take precedence over this like fun little thing on the side that I'm just like excited about doing. But I think what I'm learning is that like, if something is so giving me so much energy and, and, and it's really invigorating, then I should trust that and pursue that instead of making these other things a priority. And you helped me realize that because I write a passage started a couple weeks ago and write a passage is an online course that I took two years ago. And then I've since I work with every cohort and I, you know, told them at the beginning that I would have more of a backseat role, this cohort because of the baby. But once the course starts, I'm just like, I want to be involved. I want to do everything. I want to connect with students. And that's with giving them feedback on their essays and getting on one-on-one calls. And then I want to be supportive of the mentors and that's going to their sessions and just like being on chats and being available. And it's even hard to do those things because I have this deadline each week of an essay and a newsletter. I feel like the essay, publishing an essay each week has become a part of my identity. And if I don't publish an essay, then I'm quitting or I failed. And when I think about why I started publishing an essay, my goal was to create a library of content. And now I've done that. I've got over 100 essays on my website. And then the other reasons why was to be consistent so that my readers could trust me and to build my audience and also to become a better writer. But as it started, my newsletter was a vehicle for my essay. But as you kind of let me know, a lot of my essays now have bled into the way I write my newsletter. So it's almost like I'm writing two essays every week and they're both personal essays and sometimes they're pretty similar where my essay is like more fleshed out and then maybe my newsletter is kind of more of a half-baked idea. But I don't need to do both and I'm still putting out content each week and I am so excited about the podcast. So why not let go of this idea that I have to do this essay and follow the joy. I just want to thank you because talking it through with you helped me realize that like I could let go of this expectation I've been putting on myself. And as soon as I decided like, okay, I'm not going to write the essay and I'm going to do the podcast. I've just been like so excited. Well, that's awesome. Um, I, that makes me really happy. I think a lot for my own stuff, like what are the habits that are serving me and what are the habits that I've built up that are no longer serving me? And so for you, I think that like the weekly publishing cadence, that's sacred. Like I think that is so important because it's consistency, it's building trust with your readers, um, it's becoming a better writer each week. And just look at this podcast. Like we took a a week off because you had a baby um, and then that turned into seven weeks. We would have never thought that it would be seven weeks before we would record again. And right. so like that's the... If you skip a week, it snowballs. Um, and then whenever you're stressed and you can't find time, it's easy to say, well, I skipped that week, so I'm going to skip this week. Yeah. But as you pointed out, like you're still publishing each week. And now you'll hopefully have the space, one, to do things like this that you really enjoy, but two, 
to spend more time on the essays and create that differentiator between your newsletter each week and where maybe they're half-baked ideas or like where you're you don't have the answers or you're working towards an answer but the essays are fleshed out there um you're pulling in resources and research and ideas that are, are fully formed. I think that's actually my my one fear in all this is that if I'm not publishing every week that I just won't ever publish again. So, and I know that that's kind of an irrational fear, but, um, and also that I'll put more pressure on myself with the essays and it will it will make it less fun to write them. Mm. I, I don't know if that's true, but that's just a fear. Yeah, so how can you... And it's an understandable fear. Like, how can you try to combat that? Like, is there a reasonable number of essays you want to publish each year or um, like on a certain cadence? Or is, do you want it more, like, so that it doesn't feel like a chore? Do you want it more, like, um, curiosity-inspired? Like, if you have an idea for an essay, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then that's when you set your deadline. And then the deadline is still pretty sacred so that you don't just never publish an essay anymore yeah I think the latter feels more fun (laughs) (laughs) right Um, I've got Layla in my arms so (laughs) we're trying to (laughs) soothe her if you hear a a baby crying um you don't need the answer tomorrow or next week um but if that's your fear like figuring out ways to like right now I'm inspired to work on this essay about sleep training because I'm just so obsessed with it right And I started writing it and then I was like, well, we're in the middle of sleep training with her. So I actually like really want to get through until she's sleeping through the night and then really be able to be so specific in my essay and provide value and help others, hopefully with our experience. And so that's an essay that I really want to work on next. But that's awesome. Like, so right there, that maybe is your answer. Like, so now each night when you have something that involves her schedule or her progression to sleeping through the night, you can be thinking about in the back of your mind how this essay is going to be formulated. And the cadence is on her natural timeline. So I forget when George slept through the night, but what maybe it was like six month mark. So now you have before that. Bef- oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're it setting- was like right before five months and we made some mistakes. So I think we could get her to like oh, gosh. four months. But the, no, the she deadline was- <laughs> is already starting. But then maybe like use that natural cycle for the timing of your next essay. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, that was like not supposed to be that long, but thank you for talking through that with me. Uh, let's, you want to get into it? Sure. All right. So there's three things I want to cover today. First is George's first week at daycare. Then you're going to talk about, or you're going to lead the conversation about a parenting book that you've been reading. And then we'll end with my favorite and least favorite segment, which is our recent argument. So first daycare. So George, as you mentioned, he's 18 months old and he just started daycare last week. And I just wanted to say, like, why we decided to put him in daycare. First and foremost is socialization. Because of COVID, George hasn't been around a lot of people, mostly just us. Uh, Another reason is because uh, he had some struggles with eating and swallowing food. And things are a lot better now. But our feeding therapist told us that if he's around other kids who are eating, that's a really good way to fast track 
it and and help him start swallowing even more food and eating even better so that was exciting to us um another reason is because like we need time to do stuff like do our own stuff and just like have the house quiet like we've had a, a sort of a mother's helper up until this point and and even though that's like super helpful we're still here with george all day and constantly checking in on him and all of his meals one of us is always still there like we're, we're always still very much around and we don't have any of that like really big chunks of time to focus on our own stuff yeah what? in addition to that like it, it, not only having our own time but we also needed to figure out how to like go so like that by, was another oh sorry you know that's fine and that was a, a piece that I thought was important but now that he's going I'm like this is in this is incredible because we were hovering and just just in his face like we're just like in his space like not only does he need socialization but he needs to be like away from us and we need to let him experience life on his own not like life but you know no, life yeah I think like that's really well said actually f- falling and just letting him figure things out for handling himself. his emotions when we're not around interacting with kids interacting with other adults yeah. sharing, getting something or not getting what he wants, all that. Yeah. So the, all of those reasons are why we put George in daycare. And even now, like when I'm saying why we decided to put George in daycare, I'm like feeling a little defensive mm. because in my family, if you send your kid to daycare, then that's a reason to judge you. And my family thinks that if I'm not working, then there's absolutely no reason for George to be in daycare because what, like, I'm just like not wanting to spend time with my child. And two, I think, is that we can afford daycare. And so how dare us? Not how dare us, maybe, but maybe a little bit of envy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Unspoken. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> so I, I talked to, I spoke to my sister on the phone and just saying how excited I what we were about George starting daycare soon. And she was just like, I can't believe you guys are putting George in daycare. And I was just like, oh, why? And she's like, I just didn't think you guys would do that. And she wouldn't say, but her tone was just like dripping with judgment. And I felt really defensive. And, and I think because I don't talk to her about my writing, because I know she doesn't think my writing is a job, which it's not exactly a job in the way that she thinks of a job. Like she works a nine to five, she's a teacher. But for me, it's like, this is my work and I put a lot of effort into it every day and I need time for it. But she doesn't see it that way. So uh, it's it's just like this point of contention. So then my mom, she won't act judgmental, but she also doesn't ask me questions. I think because she's like afraid of like upsetting me or like she doesn't want, she doesn't like conflict. So she she just like asks and checks in, but she also never like asked me about my writing or anything. So it's just like this weird thing we don't talk about. But then my aunt, which is my mom's sister, she she's always been this person in my family that like everybody shits on because she's inappropriate and loud and obnoxious and just like says just she's just rude. And she just like texted me and was like, how's daycare? Why is George in daycare? Are you working? And it was just like, oh my God, like, wow, like so brash. And then I was like, well, at least she's, at least she's being direct. At least she's asking me. And then that gave me the opportunity to kind of go through all the reasons I just said for why we put George in daycare. 
And so it made me like think about my aunt in a different way now where it's like my mom doesn't even know all those reasons and all it took was one text. So it just made me think about my relationship with my mom and how she's not going to change. So the only, I'm just thinking about this right now, but like the only way forward with my mom, if I want to improve our relationship is for me to just like stop being so like full of pride about my writing and just tell her. But then I'm like, well, she should ask. (laughs) Like one of the best pieces of advice is just go first in every interaction and in every relationship. And it's like, instead of assuming that she should ask or wants to ask, it's like, if you lead with vulnerability, you'll quickly get to your answer, whether it's worth it or not. Yeah, but it's hard. <laughs> yes. So anyway, daycare. Daycare. It's going great. Oh, it's amazing. The first day, do you want to preface like we all get in the car, all yeah, I mean, four of a family of four? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was having a lot of anxiety leading up to it. I just kept Im- imagining the worst, I guess, worst case scenario of him just clinging to us as we were leaving. And then we even decided that I wasn't going to go in because uh, we had Layla and with COVID and everything, it was just like, let's just not bring her in with all these, you know, snot nosed kids. What? <laughs> that was a piece of it. Honestly, I think the bigger piece is your. Our emotion was going to permeate towards George. And I didn't, I wasn't. I would have been fine. Mm, I'm not sure. <laughs> so I didn't go in. And so we, we get there and he's got his little backpack. And he looks so cute. And he has no idea what's about to happen. And I'm just like, oh God, he doesn't know that we're leaving him. So he's happy right now. And so we're out in the parking lot and I give him a hug and I, and I kiss him goodbye. And then he's going in with. Sam and he's just waving to me and he's so happy and so that's the last I saw which was great but then I'm just out in the parking lot just waiting and just thinking that you were going to come out like crying <laughs> <laughs> and so you were in the parking lot crying yes I was <laughs> um but no we we went in the teachers are excited to see him they take his temperature and normally with the non-touch temperatures he can't he hates that freaks out freaks out but this one actually has to go on his forehead and i'm like all right here it comes here are the here's the waterworks and he's just like deer in headlights yeah distracted by all of this stimulus mm-hmm. that he doesn't even react to the the thermometer and then i go over i have to wash his hands in the sink um and so i do that with him and then he gets down and one of the teachers gives him a toy. So now he's holding the toy. The teacher is, one of the teachers is face to face with him on the floor. And there's about five other kids just surrounding him. And he <laughs> has no interest in me. And so I have a decision now to make. Like your big thing was you didn't want him to think we were abandoning him. Yes. And so you really wanted to make sure you said bye. Yes. And you did say bye. Mm-hmm. And so I, ha- but my predicament is I'm, Five feet away. It's gone amazing so far. I either go over to him and say bye and make a whole thing of it, and then he understands what's happening, or I just let him be in this environment where he seems to be like acclimating quite well. And so that's what I chose. And so I walked out <laughs> ear to ear, smile, thinking it went great, and you're crying in the parking lot. <laughs> and then on the way home, I told you I didn't say bye, and <laughs> you make me feel bad about that. <laughs> No, I think you made the right decision. Thank you. You're welcome. But anyway, the the whole first week has been going great. Day day one and two were amazing. Day three, there were little tears when you left and you dropped him off, but then he did fine. And they're telling us he's eating most of his lunch. And then when he's coming home, he's just like got an appetite now. 
he's like a different kid. Yeah. I mean, it, like the growth there in one week has been unbelievable. Going back to like your the judgment you received from your family, I have realized that every kid is going to be so, so different. So to make a blanket statement like, oh, daycare, like, and look down upon it, like daycare may not be right for her and her family and her kids. That's and right. that's totally fine. Like, I think it's not right for everyone. Right. But we are with George every day. We knew deep inside of us that this was the best decision. Rather than being judgmental about other parents and how they do mm -hmm. things with their own kids, like recognizing that every single kid is different, their needs are different, their development is different, they're on different trajectories, and, um, and just like trying to learn as much as you can about your specific kid and doing what feels best. Exactly right. All right, let's move on to... Oh, I'm going to hand the mic over to you because you're going to talk about this book, which we've actually mentioned in a previous podcast. Um, we heard about this book, Hunt, Gather, Parent by... I think it's Michaeline Duclef, although yes, I'm, I'm not that's sure. that's it, Michaeline okay. Duclef. On, um, I guess we'll share that in the, in the show notes, the Daria Rose show, she interviewed her. And that's where we first heard about this book and you recently bought it and started reading it and like five pages in you were like you need to read this book we need to change everything we're doing and I'm like great everything we're doing is wrong and now we need to go in another direction yeah I have to say this book is one of the best books I like it's definitely my favorite parenting book by far the first thing is this notion of a comedito where like kids at a very young age starting as soon as they can walk are meant to be viewed as contributing members of the household. And it's not like these fake tasks. It's actual tasks. They're obviously small in the beginning, like, oh, can you hand me that towel? Or can you grab me? Like, can you open the door while I take the trash out? Um, you're teaching them to recognize what needs to be done and to do it. It's not, you're not creating a chore list where it's like, okay, I'm going to check off my item on this list and then I don't have to do anything else. So you really want them to be looking around for what needs to be done. Um, and that happens gradually over years and years. And at first it may even be like an investment where they're going to be clumsy. And if you're cooking and they're helping, it's going to slow you down. But by slowing down in the moment, it's going to lead to them wanting to help. Um, and you're not like creating this distinction like, oh, it's time for me to do chores, go off and play. They're like then internalizing, okay, chores are not my responsibility. I think that's that's the big thing that I've been trying to internalize, which is not seeing George as him getting in the way, but seeing it as an opportunity for him to be involved. So like when I'm doing the laundry, like, no, go play. Like, no, can you open the dryer for me? And then, or he'll really just want to shut it. So he shuts it and then and then he goes and it's like, okay, thanks for your help. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and then with his toys, every night we've started to, because like, it's just a mess down here, and we say, okay, it's time to clean up your toys before we go to bed. And a lot of the times he's not really doing anything. Um, he might just like close the lid on the toy bin. And it's like, okay, great. Like he's 18 months old. There's not too much that he can do right now, but setting it in motion now to get him involved in tasks. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things we just ordered from Amazon was this um, – this step stool that where he can like actually be on our kitchen i like standing at our kitchen island helping us prep dinner helping us do all of these things so hopefully he gets more and more involved but then the last uh thing from the book that I, and i'm not finished with it but one line that really resonated with me is 
In Western culture, we go to extra efforts to draw a line between the kid world and the adult world. Kids go to school, parents go to work. Kids go to bed early, parents go to bed late. Kids eat kid food, parents eat adult food. As my seven-year-old niece told me last summer, the separation is sharp. And the point this book is making is you need to immerse kids into your world. Like, bring them to adult dinners. Bring them on a business trip. Like, any time you can... Like, and they'll get the difference. They'll get that this is, like, not... Like, this is a time to be mature. Um, I don't think we give kids enough credit. And by creating that separation, like, oh, here's kid time. Go play at your play date. Like, the point the author makes is, like, the decision should be if you want to do something. Mm. Like, if you want to go hang out with that parent, then sure, the kid can play with their kids. But don't create these activities just because you think it's enriching for the kids learning and development like they can learn by being immersed in your world yeah it makes me think back to when i was a kid and you always had the the kid table at family gatherings and i i remember i think like there were some times where i i did like being at the kid table because maybe my cousins were there and i didn't see them all the time so that was fun but i also remember one time where they let us sit at the adult table and it was like this event like I felt like I was sitting up straighter and I was like a part of the the conversation even though I really wasn't but um I think that I think about that with our kids now like I don't want to have a kid table I want them to sit with us and I want them to feel like we want to have conversations with them too yeah that's all I have from the book I'll continue to report back as I as I finish it Okay, and I, I think the one other thing I wanted to mention was that another parenting book that we've been using is One, Two, Three Magic, which is a, a disciplining book. So we've been implementing this break time when, when George crosses the line. So, like, if he hits me in the face, you know, that's one. If he hits, And then if he keeps going, that's two. And then if he gets to three, I say, well, that's three. Break time. And he goes into break time for 60 seconds. And break time is either if we're upstairs, he, we put him in his crib. If we're downstairs, we put him in this little gate. And he usually, usually doesn't like it. And then he comes out and there's there's no – you're supposed to do it without anger, which we have to check ourselves sometimes. Like we try to for the most part. Um, it, it doesn't work if you're angry basically. But I've found – the reason why I like it is because I get worked up in these moments – and the break time is for both of us. And then as soon as that 60 seconds are up, I'm, I'm really not angry anymore. And I'm just like, okay, we're done with that. And you're back and we're good. And for the most part, he doesn't keep going then after that. It doesn't always work. And I had a, a like, I totally lost it last week when I did it six times in a row. And you were on a call and I had to feed Layla in like five minutes and he had a poopy diaper and I was like I need to change this poopy diaper and I then I need to feed her so like I just can't put him in break time one more time but he kept on every time I would try to change his diaper he would scratch the wall and I would count and he just did not care (laughs) and I'd put him in his crib and he would just be talking and every time I took him out he just would start scratching the wall again and just look me dead in the (laughs) eyes every time and I just lost it and I I am so upset with myself. I like grabbed his hands and I said, no. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And then I put him in his crib and then I slammed the door. (laughs) It was like, it was probably my worst moment ever. And as soon as I shut the door, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I was so, so disappointed in myself. And I was like, this book fucking sucks. The beauty of that parenting is we always get another chance. When we 
slip up, it's actually the best teaching moment. Like even just apologizing to our kids. I think so few parents apologize to kids. Great. So I didn't apologize either. <laughs> That's not what I meant. I meant, I meant <laughs> like, I meant you have another chance to just be better the next day. And right. it's like no single moment is going to define how our kids turn out or our relationship with our kids. But it reminded me like, so I actually do think that there's something to break time. It's creating a transition. Like, okay, you, we're transitioning from this moment to a new moment and there's no anger involved. Um, but the thing that uh, Hunt Gather Parent says, there's this one sentence that really stuck with me. If your child misbehaves, he or she needs more responsibilities. I love that. So we need to come up with more responsibilities. Yeah, absolutely. And I've started, so I used to think like we need to be a united front. Like we, we always need to count and put him in break time if he's doing something wrong. And I'm starting to realize like that's one tool but if he hits me because he's upset with something, he's communicating. He can't talk yet. Right. I'm starting to think like, okay, I could look past that. I don't have to count every time. Mm. And like there, there's a time and a place for it. And then other times where maybe I can look past it a little bit. And we're still a united front. It's like if, if you're counting, I'm totally supportive but um, and vice versa. But like I wonder if there are ways we can – um, be a little more accommodating to the way he's trying to communicate or his frustration because we're dictating everything about his life right now. Yep. Great. Well, those are some great notes from the book. You guys can hear Layla. She's making lots of grunting. <laughs> she sounds like an 80-year-old man who's drunk. No. <laughs> All right. So, okay. This is our, our last final segment. So, uh, the cleaning lady was here coming and so we have to clean the house to get ready for the cleaning lady of course we were just running around and i had layla and you had george and we're also like cleaning and then we get you get back and i'm still cleaning and then the cleaning lady's here and i finally get a a second and i come in to sit down at my computer and i have my coffee and i'm just like okay i have 30 minutes until I have to feed her. Let me finally like actually get something done. And then there was still more stuff to do and I was going to do it after I fed her. And I even said to Sam, as I sat down, like, oh, there's just like no time for myself. I just like finally just like get to sit down. And meanwhile, he is trying to put the gate where we put George in break time. He's trying to fold it up and put it away. And he's struggling with it. And I'm sitting here trying to like do stuff on my computer. And he's like huffing and sweating. And like, I'm just like, I'm, I hope he doesn't think that I'm going to help him with that. Cause I literally just sat down and I've like got a timer going to get shit done. And he goes, I know you just sat down, but there's still more things to do. And I was really frustrated. And I just said, I know I'm going to do them later. I'm just taking a break. And he's like, okay, fine. And then he went into his office and I'm sitting here like fuming. Great. Now I can't even focus on what I'm trying to do because he's making me feel bad that I'm not cleaning up the other things that I still need to clean up. And even though I was going to do them later and I had like had a plan for it. And so then I get up, I finished cleaning up what I, the other things I had to clean up. And then I didn't have time to go on my computer. And now Layla's crying. And so I'm soothing her 
and I'm just like, it's all building up. Like I'm so mad at him for ruining my 30 minutes of peace. <laughs> no, you want to jump in? Not yet. Okay. So then I come out of the bedroom and he comes out of the office and he's just like, are you mad at me? Like, and I was just like, yeah. And at this point I've just been like steam coming out of my ears and he's like shocked that I'm angry because he thought everything was fine. And I just said like, you think I haven't been, I was like, I know you've been doing stuff all morning, but I've been doing stuff all morning too. And he got so mad that I was so mad that then he was just like, fuck this and walked away. And then we didn't talk for, I don't know, six hours. No, no. A couple hours. A couple hours. In that time when we're not talking, I'm just like making my case like, wow, he is so fucking wrong and I am so fucking right. And once we finally are able to speak about it, I do think that I felt really defensive. And even though when I said, hey, I am planning on cleaning up the rest of that stuff, I'm just taking a break. And you said, okay, fine, that you really meant it. But the fact that you even questioned me sitting down made me upset because it's like you didn't think that I was like that I cared that this other stuff had to be done still. Right. So a few things. <laughs> um, one, like I knew you were working all morning. There was still more to be done, as you as you said. And I had a decision to make. So I was trying to fold up this baby gate, which was frustrating me and I think that's where like one of the issues I was thinking to myself like okay she just sat down she made a show of like the fact that she finally gets time for herself but there's still more to be done so I have a few options one I can just finish everything else myself and not say anything but then I'm going to be kind of resenting her for it two I could just ignore it and see if she does more stuff but again I'm going to be resenting or three I could be transparent and say like hey I know you sat down but there's also this other stuff to be done. Can, can you help out? Now, if I said it like that, we wouldn't have had an issue. The problem was I was frustrated at the folding up the baby gate and my frustration bled into my tone. Um, and so then you rightfully got a little defensive. But then I said, okay, fine. And I thought it was like resolved. I was like, wow, that went really well. I was transparent with what I needed. She said she was just taking a break. She's going to do it. This, this was excellent. We're really communicating. Um, and then I was really caught off guard when you were just like, had steam coming out of your ears and you were looking at me with this level of anger, like just looking through my eyes. <laughs> it was like, you didn't blink when you were like, yeah, I am mad at you. And it was just so angry. And I was caught off guard. I said to you afterwards, I was like, if I could do it all over again, I would have told you, hey, I'm going to sit down for 30 minutes and then I'm going to take care of that. Because it's like, I think I knew that you were like, uh, there's still stuff to do. And instead of addressing it, I'm just like telling you that I need this time. And I think that that's something I'm realizing is like, I don't tell you when I need things. I just like try to hide away and do them. And that happens a lot. So that's something that like I want to work on is just communicating before it gets to that point but your point was like well that's great but like when we get into it like this we have to deal with it better and not escalate it and I think that's where everything goes wrong is things escalate so yes that's my intention is to communicate better but then also when I'm in it just trusting you when you say that it is fine 
and that I'm not making up these stories in my head that, oh, he really wants me to go do this and I don't know why I do that. Yeah, I mean, I think we both do it. Yeah. Uh, and it all comes back to what we've said over and over this this year, just like giving each other the benefit of the doubt and like expecting the best intent or assuming the best intentions. Yeah, but we don't do that. We're, we're getting a little better <laughs> day by day. Day by day. All right, well, I always hate closing the podcast. I never know how to say goodbye. It always feels very awkward. But I figured I would just close with a story. And this is such a random story that I just thought of. But I was like, oh, just like close with like a, a silly story, like an embarrassing story. So this was years ago. I was home in my hometown just visiting. And I went to uh, CrossFit with my, my best friend from home. And this woman came up to me as I was like working out and she was like, are you sisters with Jess? And I was like, no. And she was like, oh, that's so weird because you look just like this girl, Jess. And I was like, "Hmm, no. And not until the end of the CrossFit session did I realize like, oh, that is my sister, Jess. And for some reason, when she said her name, I just like don't know why I thought she was talking about a different person, but just assumed that she was not talking about my sister. And like, <laughs> I have no idea like what was going on in my head, but like she literally said my sister's name and said, is this your sister? And I said, oh no. That is amazing. First of all, I've never heard that story. That is like <laughs> quintessential Charlie Bleeker. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I love this so much. <laughs> But it also... And also, I must have looked like a crazy person crazy. When, I, when I came back up to her at the end and I was like, oh, Jess is my sister. She was probably like, what the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it like, it's so interesting how our minds can make these associations or have these biases. And so like, the, you must have had another Jess in your mind right. at the time. And so you're making the association with that other person, <laughs> um, not even like thinking right. that if it is your sister's <laughs> name because you're envisioning this totally other person who's not your sister. Right. Um, and I think a, a lot about that in investing. It's like, where are my blind spots and what am I just like completely mm. missing because I have this block? Like who are or like what companies are just to me? that is an entirely different company than what I'm seeing. Wow. You just pulled something from my random silly story. <laughs> That's so great. What a great observation. <laughs> wow. So we're going to end with the, maybe we'll end with a silly story from now on. Great. And then one other idea I had, and I, I told you briefly about this, but I said it in a writing context, but pulling stories in from the audience that maybe we can oh, yeah. share. Like Ryan Rossillo, I and I don't listen to his podcast, but I listened to one episode because he had a guest on that I was interested in, and he does this thing, life advice, and people send in snippets, like funny stories, and they they talk about like what the response should be or like. Yes, and- I love this. So yeah, if anybody wants to send in a story that they like are so fired up about, but also can't share or or don't feel comfortable sharing. Right? Yeah. That we can talk about and we can use pseudonyms. Pseudonyms, yeah, for everybody. This is a safe space. Should it be like a family dynamic that they don't know? Oh, definitely. Or any relationship. Relationship. Yeah, because I I mean, the marital arguments are gold. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, I love it. All right, so um, we're back like for a weekly cadence. That's my goal. Me too. Okay. I can't wait. This was really fun. Yeah. It's fun to see you smile. It's fun to see you in your element. And I love you. I love you too. Bye, guys.